When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For 24 hours, were piled, and as much water as possible, centrifugally extracted before they were spread out on the drying racks. Primarily little more than this mere physical aspect of the room was grasped by Clyde. Its noise, its heat, its steam, the energy with which a dozen men and boys were busying themselves with various processes. They were, without exception, clothed only in armless undershirts, a pair of old trousers belted at the waist, and with canvas-topped and rubber-soled sneakers on their bare feet. The water and the general dampness and heat of the room seemed obviously to necessitate some such dressing as this. This is the shrinking room, observed Mr. Wiggum as they entered. It isn't as nice as some of the others, but it's where the manufacturing process begins. Kemmerer, he called. A short, stocky, full-chested man with a pale, full face and white, strong-looking arms, dressed in a pair of dirty and wrinkled trousers and an armless flannel shirt, now appeared. Like Wiggum in the presence of Gilbert, he appeared to be very much overawed in the presence of Wiggum. This is Clyde Griffiths, the cousin of Gilbert Griffiths, I spoke to you about him last week, you remember? Yes, sir. He's to begin down here. He'll show up in the morning. Yes, sir. Better put his name down on your checklist. He'll begin at the usual hour. Yes, sir. Mr. Wiggum, as Clyde noticed, held his head higher and spoke more directly and authoritatively than at any time so far. He seemed to be the master, not underling now. 7.30 is the time everyone goes to work here in the morning, went on Mr. Wiggum to Clyde informatively. But they all ring in a little earlier about 7.20 or so, so as to have time to change their clothes and get to the machines. Now, if you want to, he added, Mr. Kemmerer can show you what you'll have to do tomorrow before you leave today. It might save a little time. Or you can leave it until then if you want to. It don't make any difference to me. Only, if you'll come back to the telephone girl at the main entrance about 5.30, I'll have Mrs. Brayley there for you. She's to show you about your room, I believe. I won't be there myself, but you just ask the telephone girl for her. She'll know. He turned and added, well, I'll leave you now. He lowered his head and started to go away, just as Clyde began. Well, I'm very obliged to you, Mr. Wiggum. Instead of answering, he waved one fishy hand slightly upward and was gone, down between the tubs toward the west door. And at once, Mr. Kemmerer, still nervous and overawed, apparently, began. Oh, that's all right about what you have to do, Mr. Griffiths. I'll just let you bring down webs on the floor above to begin with tomorrow. But if you've got any old clothes, you'd better put them on. A suit like that wouldn't last long here. He eyed Clyde's very neat, if inexpensive suit, in an odd way. His manner, quite like that of Mr. Wiggum before him, was a mixture of uncertainty and a very small authority here in Clyde's case, of extreme respect and yet some private doubt which only time might resolve. Obviously, it was no small thing to be a Griffiths here, 
even if one were a cousin and possibly not as welcome to one's powerful relatives as one might be. At first sight, and considering what his general dreams in connection with this industry were, Clyde was inclined to rebel, for the type of youth and man he saw here were in his estimation, and at first glance rather below the type of individuals he hoped to find here, individuals neither so intelligent nor alert as those employed by the Union League and the Green Davidson by a long distance, and still worse, he felt them to be much more subdued and sly and ignorant, mere clocks, really, and their eyes, as he entered with Mr. Wiggum, while they pretended not to be looking, were very well aware, as Clyde could feel, of all that was going on. Indeed, he and Mr. Wiggum were the center of all their secret looks. At the same time, their spare and practical manner of dressing struck dead at one blow any thought of refinement in connection with the work in here. How unfortunate that his lack of training would not permit his being put to office work or something like that upstairs. He walked with Mr. Kemmerer, who troubled to say that these were the tubs in which the webs were shrunk overnight, these the centrifugal dryers, these the rack dryers. Then he was told that he could go, and by then it was only three o'clock. He made his way out of the nearest door, and once outside he congratulated himself on being connected with this great company, while at the same time wondering whether he was going to prove satisfactory to Mr. Kemmerer and Mr. Wiggum, supposing he didn't, or supposing he couldn't stand all this. It was pretty rough. Well, if worst came to worst, as he now thought, he could go back to Chicago, or on to New York, maybe, and get work. But why hadn't Samuel Griffiths had the graciousness to receive and welcome him? Why had that young Gilbert Griffiths smiled so cynically? And what sort of woman was this Mrs. Brayley? Had he done wisely to come here? Would this family do anything for him now that he was here? It was thus that, strolling west along River Street, on which were a number of other kinds of factories, and then north through a few other streets that held more factories, tinware, wick wire, a big vacuum carpet cleaning plant, a rug manufacturing company, and the like, that he came finally upon a miserable slum, the like of which, small as it was, he had not seen outside of Chicago or Kansas City. He was so irritated and depressed by all the poverty and social angularity and crudeness of it, all spelling but one thing, social misery, to him, that he at once retraced his steps, and recrossing the Mohawk by a bridge farther west soon found himself in the area which was very different indeed, a region once more of just such homes as he had been admiring before he left for the factory. And walking still farther south, he came upon that same wide and tree-lined avenue, which he had seen before, the exterior appearance of which alone identified it as the principal residence thoroughfare of Lycurgus. It was so very broad and well-paved, and lined by such an arresting company of houses. At once he was very much alive to the personnel of this street, for it came to him immediately that it must be in this street very likely that his uncle Samuel lived. The houses were nearly all of French, Italian, or English design, and excellent period copies at that, although he did not know it. Impressed by their beauty and spaciousness, however, he walked along, now looking at one and another, and wondering which, if any, of these was occupied by his uncle, and deeply impressed by the significance of so much wealth. How superior and condescending his cousin Gilbert must feel, walking out of some such place as this in the morning. Then, pausing before one which, because of trees, walks, newly groomed if bloomless flower beds, a large garage at the rear, a large fountain to the left of the house as he faced it, in the center of which was a boy holding a swan in his arms, and to the right of the house, one lone cast-iron stag pursued by some cast-iron dogs, he felt especially impelled to admire, and charmed by the dignity of this place, which was a modified form of Old English, he now inquired of a stranger who was passing, a middle-aged man of a rather shabby working type, 
"'Whose house is that, mister?' And the man replied, "'Why, that's Samuel Griffith's residence. He's the man who owns the big collar factory over the river.' At once Clyde straightened up as though dashed with cold water. "'His uncle's? His residence? Then that was one of his automobiles standing before the garage at the rear there, and there was another visible through the open door of the garage.' Indeed, in his immature and really psychically unilluminated mind, it suddenly evoked a mood which was as of roses, perfumes, lights, and music. The beauty, the ease, what member of his own immediate family had ever even dreamed that his uncle lived thus? The grandeur! And his own parents, so wretched, so poor, preaching on the streets of Kansas City, and no doubt Denver, conducting a mission. And although thus far no single member of his family, other than his chill cousin, had troubled to meet him, and that at the factory only, and although he had been so indifferently assigned to the menial type of work that he had, still he was elated and uplifted. For, after all, was he not a Griffiths, a full cousin as well as a full nephew, to the two very important men who lived here, and now working for them in some capacity at least? And must not that spell a future of some sort, better than any he had known as yet? For consider who the Griffiths were here, as opposed to the who the Griffiths were in Kansas City, say, or Denver the enormous difference, a thing to be as carefully concealed as possible. At the same time, he was immediately reduced again, for supposing the Griffiths here, his uncle or his cousin or some friend or agent of theirs, should now investigate his parents and his past. Heavens! The matter of that slain child in Kansas City, his parents' miserable makeshift life. Esta! At once his face fell, his dreams being so thickly clouded over. If they should guess! If they should sense! Oh, the devil! Who was he, anyway? And what did he really amount to? What could he hope for from such a great world as this, really, once they knew why he had troubled to come here? A little disgusted and depressed, he turned to retrace his steps, for all at once he felt himself very much of a nobody. End of Book Two, Chapter Five With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.